YouTube. Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome to the podcast. Today is our first and last episode, but just for you guys, we have a special topic coming in, and that's the Hamdi versus Rumsfeld case. Why is it so special? Let one of our experts explain it to you. Oh, hi, Lamir. Um, so the Hamdi versus Rumsfeld case, it's a, it's a case dating back to 2001. This guy, Yasser Hamdi, you know, American citizen, captured by United States military in Afghanistan, and our military force accused him of fighting with the Taliban. The United States had declared him an enemy combatant. And upon learning that Yasser was a legal American citizen, he was legal. He was then transferred into a prison in Virginia without him receiving a fair trial. So you might be wondering, what happened next? So Hamdi's father, Assam Assam Brown Hamdi, was not happy with the unconstitutional imprisonment of his son. So he filed for a petition for a court order of Hamdi's detention and declared it as unconstitutional. He named and referred to himself as Hamdi's friend for some odd reason. At this point, the district court had saw that Hamdi's petition and granted it. The, the case, they appointed the federal public defender for the Eastern District of Virginia, Frank Dunham Jr., as counsel for the petitioners. Yes, this old... Yes, this old guy right here. He was not only the counsel for the petitioners, but had also argued that the argument had that the government had violated Hamdi's Fifth Amendment case right due with right to due process by holding him indefinitely and not giving him even not even giving him a trial. And from our special research, you can tell that Yasser was only accused without proof of his actual involvement with the Taliban. So the government countered Frank Dunham's argument with the. Be- Leaf stating that the executive branch had the right during wartime to detain people who fought against the United States. These people were labeled as enemy combatants, and then their access to having fair trial and a court vehicle, a court system, were restricted and pretty much, in this case, thrown out the metaphorical window. <clears throat> the, dis- the district court refused to answer the question of if declaring someone as an enemy combatant was a reasonable excuse to justify Yasir's detainment without any form of judicial review, the criteria and materials used in his detention. The district court tried to force the government... Oh, man, I'm sorry, my asthma. The, the, we can continue. The, the district court tried to force the government to produce these materials for a review of the court. The government, in this case failed to comply with the court's order to have no choice but to appeal. They, they can have any evidence. The Fourth Circuit of Appeals have a versatile choice. They found that the separation of powers required federal courts to practice this form of restraint during wartime because the executive and legislative branches are the only branches in which can be organized to supervise the conduct of overseas conflict. These branches, as Lamir was mentioning beforehand, can conduct and observe a conflict in which the judiciary branch was, well, not equipped to handle. Therefore, the <laughs> they had to defer to the executive branch's enemy combatant rule. That's your part. Now it's time for the real question. What was the relationship of the executive branch, and how did it affect the Hamdi case? In our case, my wonderful group's case, the executive branch had too much power in this case, as everything deferred back to the enemy combatant declaration. Hamdi's Hamdi's son detention is forbidden by the 18 U.S. Code 4001 Crime and Procedure, in which it states that no citizen shall be imprisoned or otherwise detained by the United States except pursuant to an act of Congress. This was passed by Congress, passed 4001A, 
to appeal to the Emergency Detention Act of 1971. Fact two. Assam found Hamdi filed a petition on the fact that the government took custody of his son since 2001. The government held his son without the access to legal counsel or notice of any changes pending against him. The petition contended that with the fact that his son's detention was not legally authorized, as an American citizen, Hamdi should... Hamdi should be under the full protection of access to an impartial tribunal or assistance of counsel. His unconstitutional detainment violated and continues to violate the 5th and 14th Amendments to the United States Constitution. The government, specifically the part of the government involved, would like to think differently. The action on the basis of the Emergency Detention Act only when following executive orders. This order, if we haven't made ourselves clear provided procedures for executive detention during times of emergency of individuals deemed likely to engage in espionage or sabotage. The multiple analysis of the Kate Coyce, the quote, this quote came out multiple times. Um, this is brief from one of the constitutions. At most, the government argues courts should review its determination that a citizen is an enemy combatant under a very deferential sum evidence standard. Uh, this... The focus is exclusively on the factual basis supplied by the executive to support its own determination. Citing Superintendent Mass Correctional Institution at Walpole versus Hill, 472 U.S. 445. In addition to the government could not only practice or produce any real factual evidence or reasoning behind Yasser's detainment, but when it came to judicial review, they had essentially referred back to the same determination. Yes, the one Alicia had mentioned before. Uh, now, we've mentioned before that the Fourth Circuit Court was to blame for this. They had no way to understand the principle that were practiced and reversed the decision. As we reiterate, the executive and legislative branches are organized to supervise the conduct of overseas conflict in a way that the judiciary simple cannot. So basically, they ignoring the judicial branch. So then what's the point of the judicial branch in this case? Maybe this case was set up and the executive branch was just there for show. Do I smell a conspiracy? (laughs) (laughs) Insert X-File music here. The government said and maintained that no exploit is required because the executive processes plenary authority to detain pursuant to Article 2 of the Constitution. Insert weird face. Let's get into the logistics, shall we? Andy's son, detention is forbidden by the 18 U.S. Code. Alicia will go into a small and very important review. So basically, that entire quote meant that in this case, it means in order for the courts to review its determination that a citizen is an enemy combatant, it will need to it will need evidence to provide a basis for this claim, or what they call an evidence standard. 
Alright, so pretty much the focus of this case, the main point, was supplied by the factual basis given by the executive branch. So pretty much, they falsified everything. They've been proven to show this in the past, and that's despicable. Um, this constantly shows an abuse of power in the branch, and the court cannot really prove anything. So what do they do? Uh, well, this case is pretty much just the word of the executive branch versus the court, saying that Hamdi should not be incarcerated without evidence. Now, that means that the executive branch not only tries to use its power to cover up multiple cases as shown in the past, but it also shows that the executive branch could have too much influence over the court system. In our opinion, our opinion, because the executive branch this time were unable to create the necessary evidence to incarcerate Hamby for, for life, the court had no choice but to make the government appeal. So, da, da, da. so what I'm basically hearing, right, is the executive branch is like, oh, snap, we got some acts where it's like we can supersede the law when, when the time comes if there's like a, a spy. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs>